Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. catch me up on the super bowl because i really want to understand the memes oh man the memes i i mean i was watching it because you know philly was playing in the eagles and the last time the eagles won the super bowl i was in Mm -hmm. italy so i was like all right well i'm gonna pay attention this time and i'm gonna watch you you were you were abroad for your own safety really you could in a way you could say that um, well, it was also like the first time, you know, that was like 2018. That was the first time they ever won. So everybody mm. in Philly right now and in South Jersey, where I, where I'm at, are, we're hyped. Like we're talking oh. overconfident, hyped. We're going to win. And you know how Philly parties, they burn stuff. So it's pretty crazy. <laughs> and I, I, I don't really like watching the Super Bowl for many reasons because mm-hmm. I don't care. Number one. And football to me is... That's a problem. It is a problem. Football tends to be boring for me. And the amount of just intense consumerism messages that come out of it just stress me out at this point. But I will say, it was quite interesting just watching the game. Like, just like kind of coming Mm -hmm. at it where you're like, okay, these are athletes who this is like the thing they've always wanted. And you're watching them play for it it was interesting but yeah uh if i were to wrap this up as fast as possible eagles came out you know they were confident they were winning with the lead do they at least do they do they really do they come out like do they flap their arms yes they go some of them do they well i don't know if they say if they say that but they do flap their wings you know fly eagles fly and all that very angels in the outfield in a way yeah it's the eagles in the yard line i don't know there's a joke there somewhere <laughs> but but it was it was interesting to watch so you know we were we were watching the first part you're like okay you know they're going through all the speeches it's a little crazy these commercials are nuts uh wasn't there like a commercial for jesus yes there was and i watched it and it was insane <laughs> it was and i'm detailing this because this was the highlight of the super bowl truly it was black and white photographs that look staged of like different groups clashing with each other. So it's like police and black people, Trump supporters and doctors, and then, you know, all these like war images mm-hmm. and things like that. And it was like, Jesus cares about you. I forget the tagline, but it was something like that. Like, you know who cares? Jesus does. He recognizes us as all human or whatever message. And it's supposed to be like, don't hate each other, unify. Hey, because Jesus, don't. exactly. Hey, do you hate people? Don't. Don't, because Jesus would stop wouldn't want it. You to. It was very weird. you stop it. Stop (laughs) hating. Exactly. I mean, how how would you rate it against the infamous uh, Pepsi commercial? Very close. Like, same kind of level of, like... But they couldn't couldn't even uh, get Kendall Jenner for this one? This was much more low budget because they spent the, like, seven million or whatever it takes to get into the Super Bowl. Because, like, anybody could have made this in premiere because it's just photographs. (laughs) So I'm assuming the photographs were staged 
to get like a better quality. But you know, budget that in. I think they just paid for the time slot. Oh God, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's the crazy thing. Like, yeah. you know, just how much it costs to get in there. You got to really want. Yes. You know that uh, you you got to really want to get that e trade baby. I don't even know. If, oh yeah, man. Is e trade still a thing? Did I that? Don't know. Is that, <laughs> I don't did that know. did that go down with with crypto? I sure it's yeah probably who knows. I mean, uh, and then like I, I guess I did see some clips of uh, the Rihanna performance. Uh, yeah, she, she was very high up there. She was. Like. She, people said it looks like a Super Smash Brothers like <laughs> combat stage. I it sounded good. Uh, mm-hmm. So I didn't. Here's my relationship with these type of events, Dan. I watch the first part and I go, mm-hmm. "Wow, they're in a good spot." And then I go do something else for like the hour that revolves. And I came back to watch at the last half, you know, and that's when things were, you know, getting crazy where the Chiefs were winning and the Eagles Uh came back with a touchdown. It was like the most anxiety I've had in a while. And I was like, I had to keep telling everybody in my family where I'm like, I don't care about this, but I have anxiety why (laughs) like i don't because i don't i don't i didn't care about who was gonna win i was like eagles are gonna win i mean yeah of course i want them to win because i want everybody to be happy but then they lost by like three and it was pretty brutal and the entire they my parents flipped to uh the local news which is like right outside of philly and you're just watching everybody come out of the bars depressed and it was like it's pretty upsetting and it rained it was like I, I, I'm saying it's basically the training arc for the Eagles again. They really got to go back okay. and work it on they, it. They, and, they need know. another Invincible. They need another Invincible. They need that Vince Papali movie to come out to really inspire them. To... It, if if I'm being honest, that yeah. was honestly like, coming from a family that did not um, care about like professional sports like that, uh-huh. uh, that was a lot of my knowledge about mm. any kind of football came from the movie Invincible that we went to a matinee of for some reason. Um, it's a fine movie. That movie, the ripple effect that movie had in this area was insane. Mm. I mean, that was like for South Jersey and South Philly Eagles fans or just Philly Eagles mm-hmm. fans. My yeah. God. Like that was that was the passion of the Christ for them. You know what I mean? Like that was... <laughs> <laughs> that was the movie you went to like three times and cried at you know it was acceptable wow. yeah I, I i think i like the bird logo better i think that's why i was into it <laughs> i think like because i mean even in my time in college i think i only ever went to one um bobcats game recently i've been on depop a lot trying to find mm. a vintage um montana state uh cat head because we were the bobcats and I have to say, Montana State used to have a really cool, gnarly looking, like drawing of a bobcat as their logo. Oh, okay. And now it's all just like streamlined mm. and you know ironed out and yeah. like, really, really boring. And it's like, God, I want that. I want that janky, hand drawn looking bobcat yeah. guy. You know, right? I yeah. I think I think also part of it is. My family didn't care about sports. And also, I came from a city that had uh, a, a team that was was so uh, lost so often that there were regularly 
There, there were billboards in Tampa that would say, we'll deposit $5 into your account if you open, you know, this savings account with oh us my. every time the Bucks win. That, yeah. I for, you're Buccaneers, right? Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, pre-Tom Brady uh, mm, Buccaneers. Right. See, I like the Buccaneers. You want to know why I like the Buccaneers, Dan? Uh, pirates? Yep. <laughs> I based all of my interests on teams based on whose logo was cooler. Not right. even, you know, and, and they I, had a cool logo, ha- just weren't good. I have, an, I have an appreciation for, like, you know, because uh, obviously MSU has, like, such a generic, uh, yeah, you know, sure. mascot. You know, it's been remarked upon a lot of times that we should have a dinosaur mm. as, our, as our mascot because, you know, the Museum of the Rockies is right there, the Jack Horner connection. Um, and, but you know, that they're, they're probably just going to keep it the Bobcats, but like, I really do love when there's like kind of more of a, a regional connection, you know, the Baltimore yeah. Ravens cause of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, but the, uh, the, the one that I always find so funny is, you know, the Utah, <laughs> Utah jazz. jazz. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. From New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. They never changed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they just really like the Mormons. Just really like jazz, and I mean they do. And, I mean they do. Yeah, and basketball. They like they they like dancing. That's true. Jazz. That, yeah, that's true. Um, it's making sense. It's making yes, sense. but yes, uh, football. That's that's why people come to the Uncanny County Museum, right? Of to, course, to hear, that's to hear our takes on our... on all all these. Uh, topical events that absolutely you know, we, we can get to every two weeks in a way we are like sports casters only not for sports but for science and history and mm. art mm. yeah yes um yeah i i think the the only other like uh con- contemporary <laughs> thing that i can think of that i've been on the pulse of is i i did not watch the the british uh what was it like the brit pop awards or whatever um, sure, man. I however, know. I have been getting uh, plenty of posts about Sam Smith's outfit. Oh my god! I my, forgot about that. my favorite comment is someone that I uh, that I follow on Tumblr reblogged it with hashtag Microraptor, <laughs> and it's I I can't even explain how funny that is if you do not know what what a micro raptor looks like it's like this four winged dinosaur that has like you know the the feathers sticking out of its legs you know and it is like oh my god that's what they look like oh my god oh my god you're right Fabulous. Yeah. Are, are, are you are you looking oh, at what a Microraptor looks like? I couldn't remember. Of course I looked it up, but then I know what that outfit is, and I'm just like, oh, oh my yes. god. Oh yes. I no, just, it is it is glorious. It is something. That is for yeah. sure. Um, um it is it is something. But yes, um so uh this sort of helps us segue into what we wanted yeah. to talk about today, okay. uh, which is the somewhat infamous creature the saltwater crocodile mm. now this is an animal that uh is i think truly terrifying you know we can talk about bears we can talk about sharks we can talk about tigers but and and even you know to some extent hippopotamuses but 
if we want to talk about like a modern day like monster that lurks in proximity to humans and will actively hunt them. Oh. You know, this is not like a uh you know, the these lions that like old starving lions in Africa that go after humans. This isn't like sharks that mistake, uh, you know, human like surfers for seals. This is an animal that is pretty, you know, indiscriminate when it comes to what it hunts. And it is completely capable of bringing down a person. Uh, crocodiles are really the 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 these living dragons that humans Ooh. have lived alongside for our entire existence pretty much and it's kind of crazy to, to, when you think about it that we do you know people will you, you, I, I think i've talked about this before you'll see someone make a post like you know imagine if monsters were real if dragons were real if sea serpents were real we crocodiles are real right very um, real <laughs> and and humanity has had to deal with them uh for millions of years <laughs> and what what sort of happened is you know this is this is an animal that is capable of uh going in fresh and salt water uh hence the oh, name man. saltwater crocodile uh, you know, is capable, you could be out in the ocean and encounter one. That in, is. Uh, in Australia and in Indonesia. Oh my God. Like, this is, the, the, it, it's kind of crazy that there's just these, <laughs> these sea serpents that, yeah. that will, that will eat anything that will, uh, you know, they've been known to uh, uh, attack and consume sharks. Oh my God. They're, they're not afraid of anything. And, they're enormous. They regularly can get to lengths of 20 feet long. Um, what? They are the largest living reptile by most metrics. Uh, huh. there's, there's some snakes that get larger in some extreme circumstances, but this is this is a, a remnant of the age of reptiles. Right. That yeah. is horrifying. I mean... I mean, imagine trying to outrun something like that, though, in the freshwater. You're like, we'll lose them in the saltwater. They can't go in the ocean. And then guess what? No, they can. Yeah. It's an all-terrain crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> all-terrain crocodile. Well, okay. But here's here's the other crazy thing is they're actually uh, very uh, – they can move very quickly oh on God. land of as well. they can. Um, now, their relatives that also live in Australia, the freshwater crocodiles, have actually uh, – they actually have a very unique uh, way uh, method of locomotion on land. They can mm. actually gallop. What? Yes, freshwater <laughs> crocodiles crazy. are capable of galloping. Oh my god! Uh, over land and can move very quickly for short bursts. Um, huh? Salt. You know, these are these are animals that you know are. are it's not just like that you could be wading in the water and one could sneak up on you. It can launch itself out of the water and drag you in. Their primary oh. way of killing is drowning. Uh, of but, course you know, it, it doesn't help that they also have, or, it, you know, it does help, I guess in their case, <laughs> yeah. that they have extremely powerful jaws. They will do death rolls. 
Okay. Um, That's my question. Yeah. Yes. So saltwater crocodiles are just insanely dangerous, insanely large. Um, and they live very close to populated areas of Australia. Um, anyone that is a fan of Steve Irwin knows that these are uh, the these are the animals that he was regularly wrangling. Um, the uh, the freshwater crocodiles are smaller and uh, you know a little bit more contained because they'll they'll generally stay in the freshwater. Okay. Um, but this is even something that's you know terrifying to me as someone that grew up in Florida. Like you had some expectation if you went into brackish water or salt water, you were not going to see alligators. Um, and sharks are generally afraid of people, you know, you do your stingray shuffle and the stingrays stay away from you. Like there's things you can Wait, the do. What? The stingray shuffle. What is that? Um, I get, it's like, so when, when the stingrays won their first Super Bowl, they wanted to do the special <laughs> dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, so when you were in a, uh, when you go to a beach, just, uh, uh-huh. the, I mean, th- this was like a, a common enough thing that I, I feel like I knew a lot of other kids that were taught this in Florida. Um, but if you go into the water anywhere that has like very sand, very, very sandy beach, like the type okay. of uh, fine sand that stingrays like to bury themselves in, you don't want to step in the water because then you run the risk of stepping onto the back of a stingray and it will sting you. Oh. Um, what you want to do is drag your feet through the sand because that will uh, kick up, uh, you know, the bottom. And if you do sneak up on a stingray for some reason, you will scoop it from underneath and it will swim away rather than uh, sting you because you've stepped on it. Gotcha. That's actually really good advice. I'm glad I asked. Sorry to, sorry to tangent, but... Oh, it, of course. I guess it's like kind of Dune in a way. <laughs> <laughs> if you like Paul Atreides in the water, you have to navigate the yes, spice, you know? I, I never thought of it as, right? you know, <laughs> trying to walk on the sand to, uh, no to avoid the sandworms. Yeah. But it is kind of like that. It is, yeah. I mean, <laughs> around... <laughs> That's the... amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yes, the stingray shuffle, you know, one of the many things you just sort of you, you learn in, in Florida. Sure. Alligators are generally afraid of people unless you've been feeding them and don't really bother humans that much. Right. Um, intentionally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also are pretty relegated to freshwater. Okay. Um, now, when I was in Australia uh, for my study abroad, there was this beach we went to that nobody else was at. Mm. And we were just tromping around in the water. And we're like, man, we really have this beach all to ourselves. And then we got out of the water, dried off. And as we were walking back, we noticed a sign that we had completely missed, which was, don't swim here. There are bull sharks, box jellyfish, and saltwater crocodiles. Oh my god, you really that is every single worst possible thing in Australia it like is. in the water. And you were Oh my god, Sam. Did you encounter any of those or just got insanely lucky? 
I think we got fairly lucky um, that day. Uh, wow. Yes. So, um, yeah, but they're, um, they're there. And, uh, so part of the, the origin story for even Steve Irwin and Crocodile Dundee is something that's sort of happened in Australia in the past, uh, you know, kind of half century, which is, um, a reemergence of encounters with saltwater crocodiles. Mm. Um, I believe the average sits at just under two people a year are killed by them oh, in wow. Australia, um, which is considering population and everything is a lot more than sharks, uh, yep. you know, in general, uh, you know, isn't that many, but still like, and there's, there's far more attacks and encounters um, with them. And this has been steadily increasing, uh, since the, the eighties, um, and a really late seventies and in large part due to, um, a conservation efforts around the saltwater crocodiles as fearsome as they are. And this is a reoccurring theme that we have Mm -hmm. encountered despite them being these (laughs) incredible, incredible predators just so profoundly dangerous um and uh and just truly survivors um they were almost hunted to extinction themselves in australia they you know came fairly close to uh becoming extinct uh at least in uh australia um and since the 70s uh like sort of the generally the rest of the uh developed world uh, there's been a huge uh, conservation effort and the environmentalist movement uh, has, you know, pushed to protect them. Uh, there's a lot of rules uh, as to how uh, they can be harvested. Typically, if there's any products made from them, they come from farms now. Uh, you're really not supposed to, um, you know, be taking them from the wild. It's, it's pretty regulated. Okay. Um, as as are a lot of uh, environmental things in Australia. Um, but what has happened though is there was such a huge decline in the um in the populations of saltwater crocodiles uh from you know really over the course of the twentieth century uh, and they only just have uh, started to come back in the last few decades is you no longer have the living memory of saltwater crocodiles being common uh, mm. or being as common as they once were. Um, so what has happened is people are living in these areas that have been developed in the last couple of decades that if you went back 100, 200 years ago would have been teeming with crocodiles. Oh my God. And as the crocodiles have returned and their numbers have uh, increased, they have been moving back uh, into these areas and the encounters have uh, been coming again uh, and the attacks are coming again. Uh, The deaths uh, have not skyrocketed as a lot of people have feared. And there's a lot of complicated uh, emotions about this uh, from, you know, different sides of, of this issue. Uh, you know, because there's people that, you know, live in these places and, uh, you know, in Australia, uh, at least for, uh, 
you know, what we think of as, as, uh, you know, uh, urban life, almost everything is near water there. Right. Uh, Doesn't have to be. Right. Um, but as the crocodiles, as the salties, as they're referred to have recovered, uh, the, they are moving back into their historic territories, whether they've been developed or not. Mm. So this is where, um, sort of that, uh, the, the interest in removing particularly large problematic individuals comes in. And this is really the, again, the origin story for the, the crocodile Dundee, you know, figure, you know, these, Mm. these guys that, because if, if you've seen the film, uh, there's some there's a bit of a uh, uh, the, the, the sort of like the point of contention is whether or not he was hunting them uh, illegally, uh, you know, as part of sort of his uh, origin story of being attacked by a crocodile. And then uh, Steve Irwin and his father uh, and and their sort of origin story was entirely about relocating these animals to places where they would uh, not uh, be interacting with humans. That was really that was how Steve Irwin got famous. He was this guy who would uh, an an animal would start to, uh, you know, pose a threat. He would go in and relocate it so that they would not have to put it down essentially hmm right still looking yeah. for that yeah mm-hmm. um, yes and we'll get into it in a bit but there's you know this is there this is a complicated issue because i think there's sure. a lot of people we have similar issues here in the states with the reintroduction of wolves because you know crocodiles also pose a threat to animals and livestock that don't necessarily know to stay away from water the way you know a human might and i mean like crocodiles totally like that fits into like so many human mythologies like so many cultures have crocodile gods and if you think about it it's totally like this representation of um the threat of our of our needs and wants like you need water right but if you go by the water (laughs) <laughs> you know you, you risking, might die yes you may die yeah exactly That's exactly horrifying it's so fascinating mm-hmm. though for sure but it's kind of like it just seems like it's going to be very complicated i'm very curious as we get into this like what the solutions are because mm-hmm. in a way it's like you know they've just been through it let's just can't we just get along like can't they come in and and do things but are, are you suggesting that we convert them to christianity no why would i wait why would i be suggesting oh i thought i thought you were talking about the super bowl commercial oh that's right (laughs) there's a lot of you know is it bad is it bad that this has two state solution written all over it already like it's kind of getting set up to this and i'm I'm holding my tongue and i'm like zan i'm not gonna make this joke i'm not gonna do it but it's just right there oh my god it's all a metaphor it's all a metaphor for real issues it it all goes back to Dune, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but I would also like to um, briefly go over the briefly go over the okay. very long history uh, of these animals. Sure. So, uh, crocodilians. Uh, what what do, what do you 
sort of know about them? Like, can do you recognize uh, distinctions uh, of mm. that they have compared to from other living reptiles? Like, what uh, wh- what do you think makes a crocodilian a crocodilian? Uh, well, they have the the longer snout with the razor teeth, and then their eyes in the front, and then. Uh, how do I, I see? This is what happens when I don't have like actual knowledge in terms of animals or <laughs> reptiles, and be able to be like, well, the forceps and this, you know, come in, and it's like, no, I mean, <laughs> they look like dinosaurs essentially. It's like they haven't changed, okay? You know? But right. um, and and they have the the specific leather skin that's so famous mm. for them, which I feel like is a big distinction, right? That's like armor essentially. Right. So, okay, you're you're kind of onto it also with the connection to dinosaurs. I mean, one thing that I and many other people uh that are dinosaur pedants uh will <laughs> often, you know, try to say is is to really make a distinction between dinosaurs and, you know, uh what we think of as modern reptiles. Like dinosaurs were not lizards. Um right. lizards are a very specific group of reptile that is still alive today dinosaurs were another group of reptile um you know with a with a different um uh, clade in uh the the phylogenetic tree um now what's interesting about alligators and crocodiles that we have today is they are also not lizards um Mm. they were not dinosaurs however their group of reptiles is much closer to dinosaurs than okay. other living reptiles. Gotcha. So you're not entirely off in, in sort of saying they look like dinosaurs. They seem like these unchanged, um, you know, <laughs> relics. Right. The interesting thing, though, is that what what we've found recently, or at least scientists have been looking at, is despite that despite our sort of like primeval association uh with crocodiles is they actually have evolved quite a bit and they mm-hmm. are currently evolving they it's not uh i'm i'm uh sort of uh paraphrasing from a smithsonian article uh that i uh that i found for researching this it's not so much that um that crocodiles, uh, crocodilians have been unchanged for millions of years. It's that they, as a group, keep evolving into these similar forms. So you could have gone back millions of years and found something that superficially looked like a crocodile. It was in the same group as them. However, it wouldn't necessarily be the ancestor of the crocodilians that we have now. Um, oh. The crocodilian, modern crocodilians really only go back about 90 million years, um, which still sounds like a lot. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. But compare to uh, what we think of as the group of crocodilians, that goes back 200 million years. Oh, okay. Yes. That's a lot more. Yes. So <laughs> they they sort of key it's like it's like things like crabs, um, you know, uh things like cats and dogs. Like uh-huh. there are these more ancient groups that have a tendency towards these very efficient forms. 
Um, and so, so sort of out of a general group, you'll, you'll keep getting, uh, repeating, uh, designs through evolution. Um, so, uh, the other thing that you mentioned were, you know, sort of their armor and there actually are, we refer to these uh, as scoots, but it's not just that they're scoots, like the sheath that covers it. They're, uh, referred to as osteoderms, which literally means, um, uh, skin bones. So those knobs that you see on their back, it's not just like extra thick scales. They literally have bones in their skin uh, that are protecting them. That's crazy. Yes. So all of that being said, are you ready, Joe? Because it's time to scoot. Oh, all right. I'm into it. Okay. Um, so this game, uh, so as I said, pseudo uh, which is the group that contains what we think of as crocodilians, uh, mm-hmm. it's slightly contentious, but about 200 million years ago is when, is when we'll put a pin in it and say, this is how far back this group goes of proper crocodilians. Okay. Um, now. I'm going to give you a type of life form and I need you to tell me, is it older or younger than crocodiles? Okay. Or, cro- or I should say pseudosuchians, crocodilians. Crocodilians. Let's say. Okay. Older or younger. Got it. Okay. So two, keep that in your head. 200 million years ago. Okay. So first up, hmm. mammals, just all of mammals. What is a younger? You would be correct. Nice. All right. Mammals, as far as the fossil record show, only go back about 178 million years. That's pretty close. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next up, grass. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go older with this one. Ooh. Oh, my God. Grass has only existed for the last... 55 million years. I thought you were going to say 55 years, and I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, grass was only invented after World War II. <laughs> Just like many things, you know? <laughs> but yes, uh, All right. gra- uh, dinosaurs never saw grass. Never saw grass, wow. Just mm-hmm. rock and plants, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. So yes, Mammals and grass, both and grass. younger than crocodilians. This is kind of crazy. All right, I'm excited for the next one. All right, next up, turtles. Hmm. I'm going to still say older. You would be correct. All right, nice. Turtles, again, as far as the fossil record uh, shows, are about 230 million years old. Oh, wow, okay. Dang. Yeah. Yes, and they look it. They do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yes. Okay, next up, mm. oak trees. Oak trees. Hmm. I want to say younger. You would be correct. Yes. 56 million years for wow, oaks. Wow, okay. Yes, again, huh. pretty, uh, pretty young types of trees. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Birds. Just just birds in general? Just birds. 
Uh, I want to say older. Ooh. Yeah, I knew it. I knew I was like ah. birds evolved. It's hard to put uh, an exact date on birds because we, we can't really draw the line between dinosaurs and birds. That was my but, yeah. But birds are presumed to have evolved in the Jurassic, uh, and crocodilians at the very least were around in the Triassic. Mm, okay. All right. All right. So we got two more. All right. Sharks. Sharks. Uh. I'm going to say younger. Ooh, actually, oh, this is maybe on, the ro- this is the wrongest you've been. Seriously? <laughs> Sharks are 450 million years old. For real? That's kind of insane. <laughs> oh, I guess I should have thought of chainsaw shark. I forgot. Damn, that did it. I guess it also depends on what you define as a shark, but the, the True. group that we that we put sharks in is insanely old. That's kind of nuts. Yes. All right, that's on me. All right, that one's on me. One more. Okay. Let's see if we can bring it home. Salamanders. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna say older. Oh. Salamanders are actually younger yeah, I know. than crocodilians. Oh you know, this is like a test. It's like I, I can't <laughs> tell. <laughs> oh my god, this is crazy. This just shows you how much I don't know about our planet. Mm. But also, you know, I, I could kind of credit you with, you know, these also seem like things that would have established themselves, you know, before right. before we had an animal like a crocodile. Mm-hmm. Um, now to go back a little bit, uh, as to what makes a crocodilian, a crocodilian. Um, so we obviously have sort of the general idea. These are these large, uh, reptiles, uh, that, you know, have a bit, a bit more, uh, developed, uh, um, in, in terms of, uh, how the, Reptiles in general are classified by how their skulls have evolved. Um, And uh, crocodilians belong to a group called diapsid reptiles. So these are different from our, um, uh, the reptiles that evolved uh, into mammals, synapsid reptiles. Um, So these had extra um, openings behind the eyes that made the skull lighter, but also allows for these really uh, powerful jaw muscles. Mm. Um, synapsids uh, had one opening behind the eye. Diapsids had two. Okay. So they sort of went in different uh, directions. You know, obviously the synapsids went for bigger brains, even more powerful jaws, um, you know, and then into sort of the, the sensory uh, organs that we associate with mammals. Crocodilians are more part of this uh, diapsid line that sort of, you know, went for a lighter skull that um, uh, more of a focus on those jaws as as opposed to other reptiles. And it made them, you know, very successful. But one particular thing about um, the uh, the Pseudosuchians is they're uh, a member of this larger group called archosaurs. Now, archosaurs uh, can be pretty much divided into the Pseudosuchians and then so that is all of these crocodilians. And then the uh, to give you an idea of how closely related they are to dinosaurs, all the other archosaurs, once you get over that line of pseudosuchians, are 
dinosaurs, pterosaurs, and birds. Um, oh. So they're they're sort of in that they're in that same group. Now, uh, the the thing that further uh, separates them that doesn't just make them another um, diapsid reptile, you know, are you know the 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 shape of their skulls, but also um, they have a slightly more upright posture uh, than hmm. other reptiles. Um, a lot of other reptiles are really limited uh, with how fast they can move on land because of those sprawling legs. Now, they would have inherited those sprawling legs from their amphibian ancestors, which evolved from fish. And when you're in the water, it kind of makes sense. When, when you live in shallow water, it makes sense to have sort of that sprawling posture for quickly moving around, you know. Um, but once you crawl out of the water, you're dragging your belly on the ground, and you also have to compress uh, the sides of your body with each step. If you've ever watched a lizard walk, um, you, you've seen this. You've seen how they have to swing their whole body around in order to take a step, right, with their back legs. Right, right. Yeah. So even though crocodilians, and you know, if you've ever seen an alligator or a crocodile walk on land, you'll notice that even though they still have to do a version of this locomotion, it is much more efficient than yeah. a lizard because they have a slight more of an angle to their sprawled posture. Their oh. legs kind of come out and down more than just straight out and then bending down at the elbow like a lizard. Um, and this is actually what gives rise to the dinosaurs that really perfect this. They hold their bodies directly under themselves. And those special hips uh, are what define them as dinosaurs. And this is part of also what defines uh, crocodilians as archosaurs, is these special uh, limbs that carry their body better, that allow them to move more quickly and efficiently. Um, you know, dinosaurs, you know, part of what made them just so successful was they could breathe while they ran. Um, huh. in, in a way that, uh, if you think about a lizard, a lizard has to constantly compress the sides of its body. This is part of what, you know, lizards really can't run very far because they're constantly basically squishing their own lungs as they run. Oh, hmm. Yeah. That does make it difficult. Yeah. yeah. And th they have to lift their body up. It's so much more effort for archosaurs, for dinosaurs. It was, it was it was so it was as about as efficient as it could get but it, sure. even for for all archosaurs it was more efficient in general to be able to hoist your gotcha. body up more the other interesting thing is um we're very familiar with the idea that reptiles have three chambered hearts so for for people that might not you know you know cuz we as as humans as mammals we have four chambered hearts basically all that means is our hearts um, mm -hmm. as they pump blood through our body. We have sort of the the best version of this. We have the four-chambered heart. Birds have a four-chambered heart. Presumably, dinosaurs uh, had a four-chambered heart. Um, this is sort of, again, the most efficient version of this where um, oxygenated blood does not mix with deoxygenated blood. Um, our deoxygenated blood gets pumped uh, to the lungs, gets uh, oxygen in it, returns to the heart, 
and then gets pumped out to the rest of the uh, of our bodies. Fish have um, extremely simple hearts uh, that do not have all of these partitions. So as they breathe, and they don't really need it because they live in the water, um, they don't have, but basically as water gets, uh, you know, put into their gills, their gills are taking out oxygen, but deoxygenated blood mixes with oxygenated blood. It's not very efficient. Amphibians, it's a little better, and it has to be because they breathe air. They, they have to work harder to get the air out. Reptiles took it a step further with a three-chambered heart. However, there's still, there's still sort of an issue of some mixing. Archosaurs, and this includes modern-day crocodiles and alligators, have a partially divided septum in their hearts, which oh. means they are actually, they almost have a four-chambered heart. So huh. even though they're even though they're cold blooded, they are reptiles. They still technically have a, a three chambered heart. They have a much more efficient three chambered heart than most other reptiles. Gotcha. Um, so huh. inside and out, they're built for efficiency and uh, and and a sort of ruggedness that uh, a lot of other uh, modern day reptiles just don't have. This is what sort of makes them, uh, you know, so successful all over the world. Um, and, you know, what also makes them really competent uh, predators. You know, they have sort of the, a lot of the low maintenance um, qualities of, of reptiles. They don't really need to eat that much compared to their body size. Um, okay. They, you know, can they can crawl out of the water and not worry about drying out, unlike an amphibian. Um, but they have all of these other things that make them, uh, you know, just really formidable predators because they have this uh, this persistence and uh, this this ability uh, to sort of keep going uh, in, in a way that a lot of other reptile predators just don't have. Right. Yeah, this is the, 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 and these are all things that presumably they would have shared with dinosaurs. Dinosaurs just took it sort of a step further. Gotcha, right to the next level. That is still yeah. horrifying, but also so yes. interesting. <laughs> it's so interesting, <laughs> right. though. Yeah, I haven't lost you yet, right? Oh, no, I'm fascinated. It's, it's, it's a little, like, over my head on some things, but at the same time, it's also just, like, it clarifies a lot. You know what I mean? Okay. Where it's just like, now I get to say, well, actually, they're not technically you know, <laughs> reptile or whatever, you know, it's fun. It's interesting. Right. But at the same time, right. it's like, it, it's all these small differences in biology that really do go the extra mile when you put them yes. into perspective, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And so what then happens is, you know, crocodiles, uh, crocodilians are really some of the only, like, large reptiles that survive and thrive after the KPG extinction that uh, wipes out the dinosaurs, you know, and they, they survive sort of mainly as aquatic predators. But another thing to uh, remember about them is that when they first arrive on the scene in the Triassic, a lot of them are terrestrial and they actually occupied a lot of different niches that um, dinosaurs would take over later. Uh, they didn't, some of them even probably looked a little bit like dinosaurs. Some of them could oh. be uh, partially bipedal. Um, you know, mm. they kind of would have looked like a 
predatory dinosaur, but walking around on four legs. Um, some of them able to rear up on two legs. Um, there's uh, also, there, there will be like animals like Ephigia, which would actually be like a proper, like a two-legged predator uh, that was uh, essentially a crocodilian. Um, but then there were also uh, herbivorous crocodiles. Uh, there Crazy. was Desmatosuchus, um, which, you know, kind of had like this pig-like snout. It had an armored back with these crazy like shoulder spikes, but Whoa. it was it was a plant eater. Um, hmm. And it superficially looks like a plant-eating dinosaur. Um, huh. You know, this, okay. they, they filled all of these niches uh, that would later be filled by dinosaurs. Hmm. But to, to fast forward a bit to present day, so they have this, this this is all to say they have this incredible legacy as these survivors as animals that will evolve in and occupy uh wherever they have an opportunity and you know then once they're encountered by uh australia uh the um the the colonial australians cuz you know they you know obviously been living uh amongst the aborigines for thousands of years um and they were a known quantity and a known threat uh, to them. Um, but, you know, the Australian settlers that moved in, the British settlers, uh, this was this was a a a otherworldly creature almost that they were encountering for the first time that they didn't have the thousands of years of cultural knowledge to know how to interact around. So, you know, this is also, you know, what kind of leads to them just, you know, needing to be exterminated because they're so dangerous. Um, mm. There's, uh, because Australia was colonized fairly recently in history, we have pretty good documentation of most of the crocodile attacks from the last couple centuries. Um, but there's a lot of people that study this that say the numbers are actually probably a lot higher, but we oh. don't hear about a lot of those attacks because they happen in very remote or very poor areas. Hmm. No. In yeah. Uh. But to give you an idea, um, so this is an account from 1871. Okay. Uh, wow. Yes. First uh, of January. So <laughs> first day of the Happy year. Happy New Year. Yes. <laughs> Dear diary. Um, Happy um, New Year. Um, a man named Mr. Graham uh, was uh, attacked while on horseback what okay so this is from uh a this is from a diary entry okay. uh this is uh was from far off. the the crocodile chronicles australia.com okay uh fantastic resource on documenting all of these uh crocodile attacks um and sort of contextualizing them so this is uh, a an entry titled "A Fearful Predicament." <laughs> okay, a very startling adventure happened the other day to Mr. Graham of St. Helens Cattle Station whilst crossing Alligator Creek, about four miles from his homestead in the Mackay District, New South Wales. He's riding at the time with Mr. Royds. After going a short distance through the water, his companion, who was standing on the banks of the creek, saw an enormous crocodile rising out of the stream just in front of Mr. Graham's horse. And at once he started to warn him. 
Mr. Graham instantly raised his legs, but the huge animal reached high enough to take within its capacious jaws the right foot stirrup iron and part of the leg of the astonished horseman, who, as might easily be imagined, had to exert all the strength he possessed to prevent himself from being dragged off his horse. Providentially, the stirrup became fixed in the mouth of the crocodile, and after some minute of astonishing desperation to get his imprisoned member free, Mr. Graham had the satisfaction of seeing his formidable assailant realize his hold and disappear in the water. Except some injuries to the leg and tearing of the leather gaiter, no other results have attended Mr. Nar- Graham's narrow escape of being either crippled for life or killed by the Saurian. Jesus. It's very brutal. <laughs> yes. God. There was an I, earlier account, but it had a lot of racial slurs in it. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. So this was this was the this first is, one that I was willing like, to have uh, a recording of my voice saying. Yeah. No, that's fair, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, God. Yes. Do you think they were also like speaking in the Australian accent, like very nonchalantly? It's like, oh yeah, you know Jeff over there. Oh yeah, know, he died. Oh yeah, he died, man. It's crazy. I like. I to guess I'm imagine... a little New Zealand, but. I like to imagine they were, I mean, this is 1870s. This is prime, like, uh, like convict Australia, uh, right? So it's probably like a Cockney accent, you know? No, that's being prejudiced. But it's definitely going to be, yeah, I would imagine it's convict Australia. So you have British accents and different, ac- right. well, I guess it'd be the, the, accents from all over Britain. So right. it's going to be a Yeah, sort mix. of intermixing. I've also heard, like, that it's a bit of a, it's like kind of a slur, like, working class, like, kind of drunkard accent like that that gives yeah. rise to the australian accent um yeah i i, I don't think we're we're experts on this but, it's a dialectic um, issue and it's fascinating because it's it's kind of yes. irish in a way where it's very they're very relaxed and sing-songy yeah you know which is interesting but Yo, Grat, we, jim jones that was a botany bay jim jones of botany bay yeah i don't you'll yet regret you sent jim jones oh, and chains yeah, yeah, to yeah. botany bay very exactly. Irish. Very Irish. Oh yeah. yeah. No, it'll it'll do it. But it's it's mm-hmm. yeah. The accents are so fun, so fascinating. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yes. It makes light of a lot of terrible, terrible, terrible yeah. atrocities in so, that colonization period. So, so yes. But this is this was the the impulse to right. Yeah, we live with a bunch of dragons in the water. We should probably exterminate those to you know, make that make this into a civilized land. Which, right. given their worldview, okay, yeah, you know, it, it, I, I kind of, I kind of see, see where they were coming from. It's crazy they lost to the emus, but won to the, or almost won to the crocodiles. Mm. And wild. Anyway. Maybe they were just so tired from fighting. The <laughs> they crocodiles. were done. Yeah, it was like a battle on two front kind of a situation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. But you know, to to sort of bring it back to today and sort of you know, with where the debate lies. And I'd be curious what your thoughts on it are uh-huh. as well. You know, because obviously, like, Australia is is a place that in, in a lot of ways feels like sort of the front line for trying to balance having a, uh, a developed nation, you know, a, a very modern society that lives alongside a very fragile ecosystem that is constantly right. at odds with invasive species and encroachment. Um, but, you know, it's also a country that has very, you know, as a result of that, has very strict laws 
surrounding, um, you know, the, the treatment of its environment, you know, now it's down to whether or not people enforce those and, um, and, and sort of follow through on trying to restore some of Australia's wildlife, you know, um, so as these alligators, oh, sorry, not alligators. I almost, <laughs> God, I, I almost made something Woo. that I would, I almost said something I would roast you for. Um, <laughs> as these crocodiles, you know, as particularly large individuals are, are found, the impulse has been to relocate them, euthanize them, send them to farms. Um, you know, there's been more and more of a willingness to go out and start to remove individuals before they become problematic rather than after they become problematic. Um, Because again, this is an animal that it's not like a shark. It's not like an alligator. It doesn't have a natural fear or an inclination to stay away from humans. This is an animal that will go after your pets and you given the chance, given the opportunity. What if I rationalize with it, (laughs) Zan? So crocodilians are smarter than most reptiles. Uh, they're probably the smartest living reptiles. Hmm. Uh, but I don't think they're that smart. Right. No empathy is what you're Hmm. saying. Yeah. No, they mock us because of our empathy. You, you're Mm. familiar with the term crocodile tears. I am. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yes. (laughs) I mean, but, but okay. Here's the other thing to remember though, is sort of similar to like an American response to coyotes. Um, our impulse to remove them as soon as we see them, uh, you know, to to keep yeah. things from getting to to prevent an incident. What ends up happening is a lot of times because you're removing these large males again, twenty foot long reptile, twenty foot long carnivorous <sighs> ambush predator. Yeah, but what often happens is. Because you go after the biggest individuals, typically you're removing like the the dominant male of that territory, and it throws their social hierarchy into shambles because you've just removed the boss. Yeah, um, essentially, and this is what happens a lot when people shoot coyotes: is they're shooting the parents, who then don't teach their pups to stay away from humans, and right. also completely destroy their. Um, their, their social hierarchies. And crocodiles, though not as sophisticated as mammals, are still much more complicated and much more social than we typically think of reptiles. These aren't like snakes that, you know, live their lives pretty solitary or turtles that, you know, abandon their young. Crocodilians take care of their young. Uh, they patrol their territories. They have uh, they socialize with each other. Um, and this, the, the pre, the, the desire to be preemptive to, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to just remove these individuals, uh, and, and uh, increasingly recently there's been, uh, and I'm, I'm getting this information from a, uh, Guardian article, there's also been uh, what uh, some scientists have accused the Australian government of is a silent cull mm. of crocodiles. Um, yeah. That they're willing to now go, you know, not just go after the biggest uh, problematic males, but also going after even smaller crocodiles because people are complaining. Right. People are saying like, uh, oh, you know, we used to play in the swimming hole as a kid, but now there's crocodiles and we can't take our kids there. 
And in reality, it was always uh, these, you know, estuaries were always patrolled by crocodiles. Yeah, they just, just you know, killed the, and murdered. Yeah, what they're witnessing are crocodiles coming back into the estuaries where people have gotten used to them not existing for 50 years. Right. But the crocodiles, from their perspective, it's been theirs for uh, mm. millions of years. Yeah, I... This is one of these things that's very complicated, but it's kind of simple at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And and and, yeah. and and here's why. Because, you know, even in Australia and the same thing in the Americas, there's a lifestyle approach that's very ranch-heavy, sprawling land-heavy, take what you can and run it all the same. And I'm simplifying for the sake of time and for, mm-hmm. you know, right. clarification. But... That doesn't work in many ecosystems. It doesn't mm-hmm. work when you need predators like in the, you know in North America, like the wolves or coyotes that have to maintain their side of the ecosystem and you kill them because you introduce cattle who don't belong there to begin with or livestock. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work in Australia where you're introducing cattle for ranching because it's open land, even though it's desert. And then you have these type of predators that show up too. And then because you've invested your entire life savings and whatever else and and basically the economy in these systems, those things are now a threat. You know, those creatures are now a threat and they have to be removed, Mm -hmm. not knowing Mm -hmm. the consequences of that removal. Now that people have gotten, and from what I'm understanding, of course, we're separated from the situation, but from what I'm understanding, you know, people are comfortable Mm -hmm. living this life away from saltwater crocodiles and now they're back it's it, yeah i'm sure that's a that's a you know it's a scary thing to deal with cuz they sound terrifying but right. it's i don't think it's justified to say no we have to get rid of them because i need to go to my watering hole or i need to go do whatever in in the forest or i have to go do you know i don't i don't i want to be safe on the fringes of australian territory and i i just it's hard i mean i empathize you know with those who are getting attacked and the dangers of it, but at the same time, there's got to be a better solution than just either cull them or put them somewhere else because that doesn't Mm -hmm. exactly solve the problem. It just makes it worse rather than actually designating where you should be setting up locations. What what territories can you actually settle in? How are you settling them, right? right? What are you allowed to do and can't do for the sake of your own safety? I mean, you choose to live in these areas that are Mm -hmm. inhabited by creatures who were there first, I mean, 200 million years ago first, right? So it's like, I I don't know about specifically Australia, but it's just one of these things that, I don't know. Like, I just can't, I, I can't always, I can't wrap my head around it sometimes where it's like, well, I get this is a reality and I'm being maybe like the environmental like eco hero or whatever, you know, that just wants this, the justice factor of it. But at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, is it worth it? Right? Like the elimination Mm. of a species for the sake of what the, the suburban house you own or the ranch, you know, this type of system that clearly doesn't, yeah. Doesn't care about it doesn't care about the environment. It for sure doesn't care about creatures mm-hmm. that deserve to live. And I, I mean I might be taking a very stance strong stance on one thing that's again very complicated and nuanced for sure, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems like it's just well, frustrating, you know? Well, I, I think we can say that it, you know, even though Australia is not without its its problems of right. of racism and settler mentality and all of that. 
I there is also a lot that comes out of Australia in terms of people that want to mm. enjoy, you know, just you know, it's a freaking beautiful place. Oh you know? yeah, no, and the conservation and, efforts are yeah, definitely higher yeah, there for sure. Exactly. So like but Australia is like the place where you see, you know, people trying to develop, you know, skin suits you can wear surfing that deter sharks, you know, like they're colored right. like sea snakes so that sharks, That's cool. you know, yeah, don't want to go near you because they think you're a sea snake. You know, if you you you, you can't get rid of the sharks, you know, no, there, no. there's beaches in Australia that have nets um sort of enclosing in um where they want people to swim and the hope is that the irukandji the the box jellyfish um that that keeps them out pretty much is right. are these nets that people can swim uh within um and you know it's not ideal it's not perfect but you see the attempt there. And crocodiles yeah. are, are a whole other it's gonna thing. Be a, because that's the problem. 20-foot monster. Yes. It's not. Yeah, no, it, it, I, it, it, it is a 20-foot monster. It, yeah. is, it, is, it, it is an animal that has endurance like few other things on Earth. Well, it's just such an interesting, I mean, I don't know. Like, even for me, like, just looking at it historically, like, isn't it kind of a crazy metaphor of, like, even just colonization in and of itself, right? Like, just something coming back to haunt you, you know? Where it's like I mean, were... there's there's all there's all the all the literature and uh, <laughs> all the world literature and essays that reference crocodiles. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just it's just kind of crazy to me. Like, I mean, it's not really crazy, but it, it's interesting to me in that way looking at it. And I know there has. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I wonder if they'll find a solution that is like mm-hmm. how Australia has been adapting to its other insanely terrifying predators or just creatures that exist. Right, and rather than just going to war and eradicating them for the sake of mm-hmm. safety but they need a win joe the australians yeah you know they they lost the emu war it's and true right yeah well it's also feel good. i mean but it, it's also a place devastated by forest fires and other things that happen that uh, yeah that, ecologically destroy everything right it's just crazy and, and and at least like the hope that's come out of a lot of this is there's also like at least some at the very least some lip service paid to the idea of working with you know the mm-hmm. first nations of australia right um, on this problem as well um from an environmental uh you know and, and yeah. heritage standpoint i do think though if there was ever a funny reaction to come out of <laughs> Uh, the age of exploration of Europeans <laughs> finding crocodilians as they traveled right. the world. My my vote is still for my home state, where the Spanish discovered the alligator and named it the lizard. Is that what it translates to? So, alli- alligator is comes from el lagarto. Oh, the lizard. That is. <laughs> Incredible. You know, you know, <laughs> in Spanish, like, and, and I don't know if this is true through all throughout all Hispanic uh, countries, uh, but at least my my Spanish teacher, who's I think from Cuba, uh, okay. refers to them referred to them as caiman. Yeah, came, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like caiman, which you find more in uh, the Caribbean and uh, South America. 
but then but in English we make a distinction between caimans and alligators, but they right. are they are more they similar. Yeah, the, the caiman's basically a small alligator. But you wouldn't say alligator in Spanish because it's like the Los Angeles Angels. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you know, you know, Alcatraz <laughs> means pelican sand, so God damn it. <laughs> right. Uh, so, no, but that's, it is, that that's in that's in very old Spanish, though. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, still though. But um, yes. yeah, I mean, it won't be the first time the Spanish just named something pretty terribly, like the Yucatan, for instance, which mm. I'm pretty sure is what, a misunderstanding. What 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 is what is it does Yucatan mean something in Spanish? Well, it's I think it's I'm gonna have to get corrected on this because I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's Mayan or a form of Mayan dialect that they. When the Spanish showed up and asked, what is this place called? They said that. They said something like that. And mm. it was like, a, I don't understand you. Or something in that. Again, I'm butchering the story. Right. So please, if you know, I, please let us know. Yeah. But it's very I fascinating. Mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to that being a possibility. It could be I fake. Also, I don't know. I also, but... I also know those are like sometimes like meta myths. Like, because there's even that uh, about kangaroos. Really? That, like, well, yeah, there was, there was a, um. A, a sort of a meta myth for a long time that, um, and I grew up with this too, and I probably repeated it at some point, but there was this idea that kangaroo uh, was, you know, some aboriginal dialect that meant, I don't know what you're saying. Oh, um, I've heard this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, that's probably not mm. what happened because kangaroo might be related to this other word. And Okay, well, yeah, you never know. Yeah. Well, we'll you have never, to add it to uncanny well, well, corrections. For I, sure. I, I, yes, I guess. I mean, yes, please. I, if anyone knows more about uh, knows, knows about the origins of the word Yucatan and the those languages, we'd love to hear. Uh, Absolutely. You can email us uh, at um, uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com. Um, well, but that, I think, kind of uh, wraps up what I wanted to yeah. talk about with this. It's an ongoing debate it's complicated uh it's complicated for sure but uh i think i think crocodilians they're they're they'll probably still be around in another you know 200 they're pretty neat years. they're very pretty, neat pretty neat pretty <laughs> the, neat thank you so much Zan, for all this research this is incredible and I, I learned a lot so now i have some more facts to say at dinner which is always exciting <laughs> And uh, to you know, explain explain explaining uh, three versus four chambered hearts. Can't wait! It's gonna be great. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I did that with cats and also dogs. So you know, yeah. I just keep. I mean, things. we we didn't even get into Dinosuchus. Into what? Sorry, uh, Dinosuchus. It was a oh. uh, <laughs> a thirty five foot uh, prehistoric crocodilian. Oh, I think I know about this one. Yeah. Yes. Well, maybe we'll have yeah. to we'll have to revisit again. Yes, we'll 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 have to talk about all this, like how how much even freak freakishly large some of these other crocodiles. Oh God, are. I oh man, yeah, interesting. Um, but yes, thank you for letting me talk about oh, this. Of course, it's, uh, it, it's a topic that's been in the news recently, and um, we had talked about it quite a bit in um my uh uh, uh Australian biology class when I you know mm. was studying in Australia. So it was something I. Uh, had heard some different sides of and was pretty uh, wanted to Interesting. Kind of, uh, go over it if anyone else yeah. has sort of encountered this debate out there in the wild. Hmm. Uh-huh. Very uh-huh. cool. Very cool. Nice. Well, um, 
as we wrap up our tour, I think this brings us to Stick It or Ticket. Oh, man. Got some mm-hmm. ones this time. Ooh, do we? Yes. What do we got? All right. I've been, I've been sitting on this one that I recorded. Um, mm-hmm. I'd also like to note that it's funny that I got my mom into this now. Because <laughs> if we have to run errands, I'm always on the hunt. So it's just yes. become sort of a like group activity, finding member stickers. Uh, but this one really threw me for a loop. Okay. It was just a bumper sticker that said, I used to be cool with a period. <laughs> and I really I really wanted to know what that was supposed to signify. Like what was it? Huh? Was that just... like uh I mean if this were ten years ago, it would be followed by then I took an arrow to the knee. Right. But no, it's it wasn't. It was just I used to be cool. Then nothing. How postmodern. Exactly. I feel like it's a Gen Xer, but mm. Probably. Um, okay, you? so what do you got? this has been an incredible week for bumper stickers. For oh, okay. My cup right. runneth over. That. Are you ready for these? So I'm I'll, ready. I'll start out. I'll start out. You know, with the unintentional, and I'll get to uh, nonsense. Okay. Okay. So the first one, um, I saw a pickup truck parked mm. in a. I was trying to, you know do street parking in Boston. And of course, mm. someone who has a giant truck who should not have a truck in a city. I'm sorry. Like Fair enough, fair enough. And I could extra hate them because they also had a bunch of other bumper oh. stickers. But I don't want this segment uh, to just always be me ragging on people's political bumper stickers. No, this guy had what I think at one point was a sticker of uh, the Godfather, um, but was so oh. weathered that it looked like Bill Murray. And I just was very charmed by it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but okay. Then um, I was, then later that same day, I was uh, behind a car uh, uh-huh. and they wanted to merge in front of me and I let them because it was an organ transport vehicle. Oh. Yes, I was like, okay, they're on a mission. <laughs> right. um, but then they had a sticker that I had to double take because I thought it said no returns. <laughs> and it turns out it was the name of the company, which no. is called Nora Trans. Oh. But I really think that they should work on They should on put that. that on. No returns. That's hilarious. No returns. <laughs> That's that? so good. Yes. Okay, but then... To total nonsensical, I saw a bumper sticker that said 26 Hmm. plus one equals the outline of the island of Ireland, two. What? What? Yeah, do, do you Wait, so, can you do the math on that? All right, so 20 let me get my calculator out. So 26 <laughs> 20, 26 26 plus 2 I I think it was a plus 1. Oh, plus 1. Okay, so a we're plus at 27 one equals equals Ireland. Ire, the outline of Ireland. Like the map, like the actual island yes. of Ireland outlined. Yes. yes. And then what was the other symbol? And then there was another number. Hmm. I thought maybe it's a marathon thing, but that math still does not add That's, up. The math is not mathing. I how much is Ireland worth? How much is Ireland worth? It could also. I wonder if it's like an <laughs> Irish 
like a, like the like the maybe it's referencing the troubles or something. I don't know. Ireland has an interesting history. Could be related to that. A lot I doubt of numbers. It, a lot I, of numbers. I... <laughs> All right, we'll uh, have to. Oh gosh, this is one of those cases. I wish you had a picture. That would be perfect. Ah, I should have taken a picture. It's okay. Um, it's all yeah, right. you know, we were parked somewhere. I didn't want someone to think I was, you know, photographing their license plate. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is my that is uh, submission that for sticker ticket. These were very yours good. though was yours though was kind of the perfect sticker ticket though. Ah, well, it was a good find. It's a rare find. It's hard to find mm-hmm. some of these because sometimes it's a little too obvious. Yes. Yes. Um, next up, we have a segment that I completely forgot about last time, which is <laughs> Uncanny good. Recommendations. Yes. Joe, what are some things that you'd like to recommend to the good people? All right. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff, actually. So on um, the movies, and I recently watched film, which is like, it's kind of old. It came out in 2018, uh, mm. called Shoplifters by mm. Hirokazu Kurita. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very very good. I think it's on Prime and uh, a bunch of other you know streaming services. I highly recommend watching it. It's a really interesting tale about a found family that some of them shoplift to just grab things, but then also it leads into much more complex family drama and personal drama and almost like a everydayness to it. And it it goes by so mm. quickly. It's fantastic. Highly recommend. I also recently watched the documentary Navali, which was on mm. HBO Max, and it's about the uh, Russian politician Navali that got like, uh, well, poisoned by Putin's guys, and then like lived, but then went just back to <laughs> Russia and got taken prisoner. And it's 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 interesting. Like the way it's filmed is kind of fascinating to me. Like just the way they follow this character and this guy and his whole story and Russian backing. But also the way they unraveled that conspiracy is nuts. And I had no idea because I wasn't following it in 2020. So because there was obviously other stuff going on. But it was (laughs) uh, it's just this weird thing because, you know, I think the film was made even though it came out 2022. It was made. I think it was done in 2021. And then the war happens. And it is this weird like none of the people in the film know that. Russia's about to go the way it does. So I honestly think it's worth watching for that context of seeing like what Russia is going through a year before Ukraine invasion. And that's such an that interesting kind of, kind of like snapshot. Yeah. Like. It, it, it kind of, there's a, there's a quote of someone saying it was like the perfect filmmaker for during the perfect time. And I kind of agree. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like the right place at the right time for this guy to make the film. Yeah. So I definitely recommend checking those things out. Uh, for music, I've been listening to a lot of Pink Panthers. If I'm being honest, super good. And she just came out with the like boys. Dana, 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 like that. I mean, yes, but Ress, Panthress, yeah. She's oh, cool. Panthress, yeah, oh, Panthress, okay. Pink Panthers. very cool. Definitely check out her music. Very like electronica, dream pop. It's nice. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. But also, um, yeah, I've been I've been in the British zone for like R and B and hip hop for a while. So, mm. um. Lewis Lewis culture or Louis culture is really good. Definitely check out Song Naked. It's definitely a bop. And also Saint with specifically mm. Champagne Shots, that song in particular. But his whole discography is great too. So that's been like, yeah, those those have been my kind of jams recently in, in artists I've been checking out. The UK grime scene and also hip hop has just honestly got a lot of stuff 
coming out of it that's fascinating. And I've recently uh, just started reading East of Eden by John Steinbeck, and oh, it is oh. very, very good. I've entered the classics again. So I'll let you, that's going to be more of a in progress of recommendation, but I'm, uh, you know, a couple chapters <laughs> yeah. in, and I'm definitely already at recommendation stance, but I'll let you know when I finish. Fantastic. Yeah. How about you? What do you, what do you recommend? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, as always, uh, recommendation for Jimmy Buffett's uh, A1A. Um, mm-hmm. No, I'm. I. I <laughs> but I. I don't think it's healthy that I listen to that album once a week. But. You know. mm. Um. But yes, as far as like new things, I've been checking out. I meant uh, to talk about this uh, last tour. Um. Because. Uh, and I think I even mentioned it, but you know, forgot to talk about it. Um, but that is uh, Link Ray's self-titled album, uh, Link Ray. Uh, it was recorded in a uh, chicken coop. And oh, sweet. It sounds like it. It is janky, but it is also kind of incredible, like just in terms of uh, this, you know, uh, you hesitate to say lo-fi, but that is kind of like in, in part what it is, folk rock from the seventies that feels like it could have been made today. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously there that's the album that uh, falling rain is off of. That's probably what people are most familiar with. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're a fan of father, John Misty, uh, he's covered that song. A bunch of people have covered that song. Um, and it's just really interesting to listen to it. From what I understand, it wasn't super well received uh, in its time. Uh, because hmm. people were so used to, you know, Link Ray's instrumental stuff. Everyone knows Link Ray for, you know, Rumble and, uh, you know, these really big, uh, like, almost like a, a, a an orchestra of rock guitar right. um, that he did in the 60s. And then here he is in the early 70s, um, you know, uh, exploring his roots exploring uh country and gospel you know his uh you know his uh his native american heritage is in there his um his uh experiences uh you know living in the country you know and his but just sort of his his realism but also his optimism comes through Mm. in such an interesting way um there's stuff that like sounds like swampy credence clearwater revival you know type stuff uh um a black river swamp uh you know is fantastic jukebox woman you know sounds like it could be a john fogarty song um but then there's there's falling rain of course there's la di da uh and then uh what's also been one of my favorites got out west which is just that insanely fuzzed out guitar that Ooh. can only be link ray um uh, so i i highly recommend it it's it's a really great journey uh front to back as far as something more recent um i've been listening to uh shapes by robo hands which is you know a you know, proper kind of like contemporary instrumental jazzy little lo-fi in there too. But um just some really great um 
great jams, uh, nice guitar work and everything. And, um, it's, it's just, it's a pretty good, uh, honestly, just, just nice, uh, sets a nice mood to it. So I, I don't have too much else to say about it, but it's kind of been my, uh, soundtrack for the last week or so. Very cool. Nice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check those out as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to check out some of yours too. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess that brings us almost to the end. Uh, what do you have going on outside of the museum, Joe? Uh, I don't have too much at the moment. I believe the, uh, yeah, the show Yonder Crush just recently ended. So thank you to anybody who went. Uh, I'm currently just waiting on, you know, news and trying to get some music published because, you know, I just constantly take forever to do so. So look out on the horizon <laughs> for that eventually. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it going on right now. How about you, Zan? What do you got going on? Um, so I, of course, have my uh, workshop coming up in mm-hmm. August at the John C. Campbell Folk School in Brasstown, North Carolina. Um, those should be available to purchase soon uh, from their website. Uh, mm-hmm. Spots to that class that I'll be teaching. Um, if you want to learn about oil painting technique. Coming up very soon is my solo show, Why Look, at Darcy Simpson Art in Hudson, New York. Um, That's going to be March 25th. There's going to be an opening reception, uh, and I will be there, and uh, so will some other people. (laughs) besides hopefully just the people that come but also there will be a lot of uh hopefully Mm -hmm. surprises and fun things going on there i'm so so excited and so grateful for this opportunity um other than that that is all i can say definitively uh right now got other things in the works but um that is uh those are the definite things happening of course, I've always got my uh, website, zampeters.com. If you want to check out any of my work uh, that I'm, uh, I've got my sale going on. If you use the code solo sale, uh, I am clearing out my old inventory. Uh, you can get 15% off any of the things that I have listed on my website there. Hmm. Very nice. If you want to get in touch with the museum, uh, you can email us at uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com. If you want to follow the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. Message us. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you'd like us to uh, talk about Mm -hmm. uh, or correct, anything like that. We always love hearing from people. Um, And you can also submit uh, questions that we can uh, answer at the end of our tours. We've got our Patreon that you can check out. There's all sorts of great rewards at different levels. If you want to find me after hours, I'm at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joseph. Bye. In a while, crocodile.